The show you're about to listen to is very old and comes with a warning. When we recorded these shows over a decade ago, the world was a different place and we were little more than children. As a result of this, you might hear a few things that by today's standards we judge to be inappropriate or offensive. Please don't be offended. In the years that have passed since recording these shows, we've all grown up to be wonderful, loving, liberal, free-thinking, open-minded individuals. If the us from over a decade ago say something to upset the you of today, please understand that we're as disgusted with ourselves as you are. But isn't this what life is all about? Learning and growing? We all said and did things in our younger days that make us cringe when we think about them. We just recorded it and put it out on the internet. With all that in mind, I hope you enjoy the show. Oh, and there's just one more thing. Don't email the show or try to enter competitions. We don't have that email anymore and all the competitions are over. We do have a Facebook group where you're very welcome to discuss any aspects of the podcast. Please visit simplysyndicated.com for more information. going to edit that stuff out you know <laughs> you do that i was just repeating the last one hello welcome to this week's movies you should see this week we're reviewing the french connection by william friedman starring gene hackman and roy scheider it's not working what are you shaking your head at Friedkin. what did i say friedman friedman sorry freaking <laughs> what did i get friedman from i don't know my mate just made that one up in my yeah. head Probably. William Friedkin. Friedkin. He directed it. Yep. Okay. Cake. I'm Richard Smith. I'm Craig Bevan. I, I'm Mike Dawson. And I'm Alison Downing. Hello. 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 <laughs> Good evening. So we're recording again now because last week we were fucked. Yeah. Yeah, it was stupid o'clock in the morning. Uh, we did record one more cast, and I think in the whole time I said four comments, two of which made sense. So it's Saturday afternoon, it was bright and sunny, and now it's, it's, now it's raining. It's a shift. It's raining. Pain in the ass. But in the plus side, it's the equivalent time in the PM to what we were doing in the AM last time. So yes. We were <laughs> slightly more awake. Hopefully. Only Although, very slightly. Only yeah, very slightly, that's yeah, not really coming across yeah. just yet. Because uh, you've fallen asleep once since we were here. That's true. So this could also go very badly. I should be a bit of caffeine. I've had some caffeine now. Rarely to go. You want to talk to a power cigarette? Yeah. 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 <laughs> With Garana. <laughs> Garana Big sick. Big Excellent. Right, okay. So. French, French Connection. French Connection. Now this is the oldest film we've reviewed today. Yes, and it's all about the clothing label. Yeah. <laughs> We're not reviewing clothes today, Craig. You know, I used to have a French Connection t-shirt that was actually a girl's t-shirt. You've just admitted that. No, I'm admitting it just to slag off the girl in the shop who sold it me. Because at no point when I said, where can I try this on, did she go, that's a girl's t-shirt. 
But don't you think she was laughing inside? Yeah, and that's what pisses me off. She went home and had a great day at work today. Some idiot walked into the shop. Came in and bought a Didn't even realise. Maybe maybe she thought you were buying it for your girlfriend or something. And I wore it out. I tried it on. (laughs) (laughs) And it came to his belly button. What if she was uh, really forward thinking and proactive and thought that you were maybe a bit of a secret cross dresser? Well, she worked in the French Connection shop in Meadowall. What was the message? Oh, we're going to get emails. Oh. I can't say that. <laughs> what, what was the message on the front of your French Connection T-shirt? What did it say? Come okay. here, boy, and snog me. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, this isn't a fucking girl's T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. I wore that T-shirt in Mustang Sally so many nights wondering why I didn't pull. <laughs> <laughs> And then it wasn't until I stood next to Craig wearing his French Connection t-shirt and from the men's section noticed it was a completely (laughs) different cut the arms were a different length and just why why are the arms on your one longer than mine because you've got the girls one (laughs) (laughs) and all the ladies love me yeah whatever yeah So, Mike, it's 1971. No, it's not. not. Well, it was when they made this. Okay. Okay. And (laughs) you're not going to convince anyone with misinformation like that right at the beginning of the show. Yeah, the internet doesn't exist. You're not listening to this show. Ye oldie podcast. Go back and watch the 70s show. Anyway, so it's, yeah, it's 1971. This is is, uh, a film basically made by William Freakin, which we've already said. And I've lost the plot already. My God, I'm so tired. Okay. It's five past five Let's, in the afternoon. Yeah, we were no, ruined no. last night. We were yeah, absolutely, we absolutely slaughtered last night, <laughs> saying really stupid things. <laughs> um, having arguments. Having arguments, yeah, all night long. We should have just been sat quietly on the internet like we were. Well, you know, we live a rough and tumble lifestyle. Okay, so this basically is based on true events. It's a film, uh, if you haven't seen this, it's film. The plot line basically is um, surrounding what was one of the major drug busts in the 1960s in America. Um, and it was, well, it was the biggest at the time. I think it was like 36 million, they say, $36 million $36 worth million. Of, dollars worth of heroin. And um, <clears throat> so, yeah. Um, and it basically following two New York cops. Gene Hackman and Roy Scheider. Scheider. Well Not to be mistaken Not- with Rob Schneider. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Never. It's alternate universe version, isn't it? So, Smile, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so, yeah, they uh, basically follow um, the two New York cops trying to... Well, they don't know that they're onto a drug bust yet. They actually, to start with, they're just following something that seems a bit odd. Um and while this is... He has a hunch, doesn't he? He's, he's known for his hunches. Yeah, he's known for his hunches. He follows this um, Italian gangster sort of character and sort of makes the connection with this um, other... The fact that there's no heroin in New York at the time and everyone's, like, dying for some heroin and there's a big shipment rumoured to be coming in in the next couple of weeks. So they figure, ah, right, well, it must be that, as you would. Um, and they, they're allowed to carry on with their investigation and, and follow... Follow yeah. through. They set a wire on the guy. They tail the guy, and uh... yeah. So it follows what is now known as the standard plot line for this sort of cop films, where you know the cop has he's a bit 
rough and tumble. He's on the edge. He's a bit um, you know, anti-hero. He's a, anti-hero. He's, he's a, he's a, yeah. he's a yeah. womanizer. Um, not so current now. He's actually a bit of a racist as well. Um, very and, much so. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. Um, and drinks loads and is a bit of a well, you know. He's got, he's got a, yeah, he's an anti-hero. He's got a cops killed in the past and things like it's that. Just a bit of a fuck up, really. He's a bit of a fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Which is where it should probably start talking about how this film is groundbreaking. Is groundbreaking in the sense that before this, you didn't have cops like this. You didn't have before. I think it was like they were either squeaky clean, weren't they, or bent? Yeah, really bent. Really bent. Thing. You never had real cops doing like well in cinema anyway. You didn't have the sort of the fully rounded, well, yeah, the anti-hero cop, basically. Good but flawed. Good but flawed. Um, And this is what this film does. It sets up so many conventions from today. I mean, that's the plot line in a nutshell. But the the conventions that it's set up today, if you didn't have the French connection, you don't have NYPD Blue, you don't have Homicide, you don't have The Y, you don't have so many cop dramas that have been made since it just in the same way that Blade Runner was so influential with every sci-fi film made after it and um, with that sort of derelict look of the future which derelict. we've never seen before derelict <laughs> um, but there's no reason given for why he is like he is I mean no, that's something that no, we do a lot no. more since now if you if you liken it to say Thingy and Die Hard yeah there's, we, we have a reason. He's pissed the, off, but we have a reason. There's always something yeah, there's, there's about no his exposition character. in this, and there's, there's there's a lot. It's very subtle. The plot is very subtle in places as well. Um, certain events will happen, and then suddenly they're doing something else, and then you have to put the mi- middle piece together. Ah, right, that's why they're doing something else. Yeah, I don't want to give too much away though. But yeah, and the uh, the yeah the plot line does sort of stagger around it. You have to be constantly aware of what's going on and you've got to be co- like several times we just watched it with Richard and Allison and uh, several times Richard you said what the hell's going on what the hell is here? going on what the fuck is going there, on here? there were several key pieces of plot that were just given no explanation whatsoever as to why they were happening it just happened and you sort of forgot that there was no explanation and moved but on. then you kind of work it out and then it's Oh, right. Yeah, that's because of that. It's quite obvious. It's probably just a difference in filmmaking styles between then and now. Yeah. And I think it's probably a little more for Wendy than anyone else. For example, they get thrown off the case. There's the sniper. And we all think, yeah, that's probably a good enough reason for him to come back on the case. Mm. But there's no explanation. There's no scene where they decide that. It just carries on then. Yeah. You and just have to assume if they'd done that today, there would be a scene where he goes back into the commander's office and they go, Right, well, now you're back on the case. Yeah, damn it, this guy shot at me. I want to be back on this case. And, yeah, and yeah. have a whole big argument and get back. But it was not, yeah, there's no point to that. It just, you know, the film's momentum, as it were. The odd, yeah, the odd thing is actually what it concentrates on. There's so much, it, it borders on boring in places because yeah. it is so much of a police procedural. Like when they're on stakeouts and they're just standing there in the freezing cold, getting really bored, waiting for the watching a guy, watching this French guy eat in a, a doing nice nothing, yeah. warm restaurant, and you just think, you know, that must be so fucking boring in real life. It's so shitty job to do, um, but rather than sort of glamorize that, it is just down and dirty and gritty. And like you were saying with the exposition between the characters, I think I uh, said something similar about Alien a while back when we did Alien. Just the fact that. There is there no, is no backs. Yeah. You know, you, you know, one thing that he's gotten in a, in a previous case, Gene Hackman's character, Popeye Doyle, has gotten another cop killed. 
But other than that, there's no other there's no other motivations or anything that you can no, you can like see. Set up. You don't know how long that they've been partnered together. You don't know is Gene Hackman divorced? Why does he drink so much? None of it needs. He just drinks and he just womanizes, and that's because it's a good laugh. Really. Yeah, because <laughs> it's something fun to do on a Friday night. But yeah, that doesn't need to Saturday, be that explanation. On a Sunday, Monday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Those scenes are just the worst scenes in films where they sit down and it's just like, well, I know five years ago when you lost your wife and... Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Lots of key plot yeah. elements with absolutely no explanation whatsoever. Mm. But with no... But, but Debatably no, not necessary to the plot of the film. But how many times do you sit down and talk to one of your friends or one of your mates about... Uh, you know, something why they're acting and the way they're acting is because of this and this. And it's like, yeah, that's so fucking obvious. There's no mm. real conversation. I don't sit down and say to you, you know, well, you're doing this because of your relationship with your mother and everything and back in the time. And he's like, well, and you turn around and say, well, yes, I had a traumatic childhood and everything. It's not natural. It's not a, a real conversation. Sadly, actually, I've probably had that conversation with, I think, one friend in particular far too many times. <laughs> Did you get a cop killed? <laughs> I can't talk about that. <laughs> I, I think the the bit about his character, it, it, you know, you said the word derelict as well. Mm. I think he's quite a derelict character. He's got his copness to do. He's got his job to do. But I don't see an awful lot else going on in his life. No. At one point, they, they make it clear that they've been tailing the guy for 72 hours and, you know, they've been really going after it. And I think, well, while you've been doing that, what else in life are you missing out on? There is no one else. He, he bumbles from one woman to another. He's got no outside relationships other than the cops that he works with or the criminals that he's going after. He just seems really obsessive and driven, but not by willing to succeed or want to succeed, but just because there's nothing else. And yeah, that, the, and that that picture of New York. I mean, what did you say? This is the New York that nobody wanted to go to. This is yeah. 1970s dirty criminal New York where it's just sleazy. It it just looks horrible. And New, New York down. itself is actually a character in this film in certain senses. It's like you know the extra character, the location where the location is so ingrained with what's going on because there's William Freakin's cinematography and this is is. Very impressive, and the fact that it's sort of rough and tumble, handheld cinema cinematography, not really. You know, there's no shots that seem, yeah, that was like a setup shot. That doesn't look like it. Just looks like they got the camera out of the bag, hit record, and just went with it. You know, didn't doesn't seem like they. You know, there's no dolly shots, there's no tracking shots, there's no. It's just Do you all, there's improvisation in there. There's probably tons of improvisation. Mm. I mean, look if you look at the actual amount of dialogue. I reckon the script was only about 30 pages long. Yeah, there's hardly there's, anything. There's barely, hardly anything. there's so many sequences where just nothing is said for so long and it's just all about what the, you know, the guys following each other and trying to nail the case. Um, there's certain, like, the big, let's get onto the car chase for a moment. The car chase <laughs> is one of the most influential car chases <sighs> in cinema history, up there with Bullet. Um, legendary. Legendary car chase. And the... I only noticed tonight for the first time while watching it that there isn't a single chord of music in yeah. what is a 10-minute high-octane sequence. Thank God, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, considering I, the rest I of really, the yeah, soundtrack. I, God I really no think that the music, while very stylized for its time, 
And it was, as were most American film soundtracks. That's how the thing appears in Bond as well. Yeah, and stuff like that, and it, it? Just, yeah. it was terrible. But I just thought, even for its style and its time, some of the music was just grossly inappropriate for the footage. It was just it went when It was so It's where they're in the, the, the restaurant, music. isn't it? Oh, it just and they've got the piano it. music in the restaurant, and then you've got this <laughs> soundtrack over the top every time you see a bad guy. I almost yeah. think it was oh, deliberately like that. Not every time you saw a bad guy. It was only... I was trying this time, actually, because I watched it the other day as well. It's the second time I watched it this week. And I was trying to work out what the significance of them because the music is so sparse and so far between that there must be some point to there it. must be some point because it wasn't every time you saw a bad guy every time it was like there was a scene in the club and there was a scene in the restaurant and then there was the there was a definitely when the car gets pulled off the ship then the music's there because there's so many shots where it's just a normal shot of something happening and it almost as if the music is there to cue Right, you really ought to be paying attention to this. This car's not right, you know, and just to but, make sure that you I knew mean, that that was point to be paying attention. The, the, the one that stuck in my mind was when he's slowly sort of following the guy onto the train, the French guy, hmm. and they're just walking through the crowd, and they're both walking through the crowd. And while it's a tense moment, there's a you know, there's low action going on. The music was big and rah, and it was just not appropriate at all. Uh, well, I, didn't, so, I didn't mind that, that bit. W- watch that bit again and think, what would they do if this was an episode of 24 and somebody was following somebody through the crowd? Just as an example of something similar to it. And it would be sort of like yeah, beaty. light years ahead. Mm. Yeah, but I don't know. It, it just even for a product of its time, there was music that in the film that would have been appropriate at that point. And so, no, I, I know what you mean. I know what you it mean. It was just the time that they wouldn't have written it because they did. It was there. There was an example of it. But that, just like I said, that, that right style way. appears in Bond as well. Whenever you see like the main bad no, guys and stuff, I don't, you mean, that. I don't mean like the style, just <clears throat> the the beat and the type of tune that they used in particular parts. Mm. Not the fact that it was 70s music. It was inevitably going to be 70s music. It's made in the 70s. But that's the thing. But it's not overly 70s, I don't think. No, no. Do you know what I mean? The soundtrack. Yeah. The yeah. Music. It's not... It doesn't sound it 70s the, to me. the style, very brassy. Very, very of the style, yeah, but not... Appro- in many ways appropriate to 70s New York. And particularly the areas in which they were working of mm. New York. So in that way, it was appropriate. No complaints with the style, the way it was written, just where they used which track. Mm. Right, the right. Movie, if mm. you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was all. Other than that, yeah, it's fine. It's 70s music. And you think of that, what you do. Yeah. <laughs> really? It's good or it's bad. Yeah. In James Bond, it's bad. It's, it's better than 80s music, let's put it that way. Yeah. I just think it was probably as spare and as empty and uh, derelict and annoying as, as nails on chart board. Yeah. And as much as, as New York was at the time, and maybe they were just trying to show this, this is horrible. I think, I think the music was deliberately uncomfortable. I do. I don't think it was like they, they put it on saying, yeah, everyone's going to love this score. You know, I think it was sort of, like with Irreversible using that low No, oh, that's, just, that's just fucked that, up, though. Yeah, Irreversible. <laughs> if anyone hasn't seen Irreversible, this is something they proudly proclaim. Uh, they use, over the first 30 minutes, it's a fucked up film anyway, Irreversible, and it's, it's, it's hard enough to watch. 
uh, on its own, but it, like they actually put over the first 30 minutes this uh, high-frequency pitch that induces nausea and vertigo within human beings. Um, <laughs> deliberately and proudly put this on their film to make it as difficult to watch as possible. When you're sitting there and you're thinking, right, usually I can cope with this sort of sick shit, but what the fuck? This is hard to watch. Yeah, and, and then you that realize, coupled with the camera work yeah. as well all over the fucking place, no wonder you get vertigo, <laughs> vertigo you know what I mean? It's you know, yeah. fucked up. You know what I'd like? I'd like that as an option on a mobile phone. <laughs> when like end power ring up and go, why haven't you paid your bill? I can press this button and it makes the other guy on the end of the phone throw up. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, anything to cause that much stress to people who do that sort of job, and, you know. <laughs> I can't help it. I used to be one of them, and now I hate them. Someone's got to do it, though. Someone's got to do it. No, they don't. Nobody has to telemark it to me. People have to come oh, telemark- and Telemarketing, yeah. 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 Have to customer services. Customer services. People like telling that. you up that you yeah. haven't paid your bill. Somebody people has do to do that. People do not have to phone to me up that. and go... What te- what kind of television have you got and stuff like that? Yeah, that, that's a bag of piss. That those people. We well, just oh. have good fun with those. You just keep going along like you're going to buy into it, and at the end of it, you just cut them off or something like that and piss them off. That's it. If you're a telemarketer and you're listening to this show, stop. <laughs> Sorry, but get another job. We don't want you to go broke. No, I do. <laughs> so French Connection. French Connection. So what we got? We've gone through the location. We've gone we got that story. Gene Hackman. Let's talk about Gene Hackman. Let's talk about Gene. Yeah, Gene. This Hackman. is the youngest I've seen Gene Hackman, and he still looks old. Yes, <laughs> yeah. He still I was looks- thinking that he looks like he did yesterday. Yeah. His voice sounds the same as it did in every film he's ever made. He's he has got a bit changed. more hair though. A little bit more. And mm. less of a punch and a bit more ability to chase a bad guy through the God, he, did, he didn't have to do some running in that film. Mm. Yeah. He did, but don't you think he looked a bit slow? Like, no wonder people get away. <laughs> I did think at the beginning, because there's this the very opening thing when Roy Scheider and Gene Hackman are chasing the guy right in the very first scene. Yeah. And he falls behind. And it's up to Roy Scheider to catch him. And I did think, how are you going to catch any fucker in this film? Well, to be fair, he drinks like a fish and, you know, he's yeah. going to be wearing fucked. a Santa Claus suit at the time. Yeah. As well. yeah. A gob full of big white beard. Yeah. Uh, excuses, excuses, excuses. It's Gene Hackman. Quite frankly, I expect more. <laughs> and if this is his peak, fucking hell. What has he done since then? Because now all I can think of for some reason lots is Crimson lots. Tide and the Birdcage. Oh, that two they're, one. They're really not good examples. He's a very prolific actor. He makes shitloads of films. He does, doesn't he? He's about 75 years old as well. Yeah. He's oh, never obviously, directed... Obviously either. Superman as well. Oh. Superman, uh, Quip in the Dead. Notoriously awkward to work with. Really? Um, apparently. Have yeah. you worked with him? Hey? Have you worked with him? No. This is allegedly. Right. Um, but yeah, apparently he doesn't, um, it's pretty difficult to get on with him and certain things. I've just heard from two separate accounts. One was um, the quick and the dead and they were on about him and he's just saying, well, uh, we want you to sit in that chair. He's like, I'm not sitting in that chair. Um, okay, well, don't sit in the chair, but wear your hat. I'm not wearing that hat. Uh, okay, and like apparently this is how it went on, and with Superman as well, he was just talking about how he wasn't going to wear a bald cap for us. I'm not wearing a bald cap for Lex Luthor. Uh, um, okay, did they shave his head. No, I don't know what they did with it. But they, well, the whole the whole wig thing, didn't they? So he wasn't bald for much of the film. Mm. Um, I think that that's was it. He wasn't bald in Superman Four. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Let's not get out to Superman. Oh, it's a good film. It's a good film. Oh, it's a good film. 
So, Craig, tell me, why do you love this film so much? You seem gripped by this film. I just think it's... I just think it's awesome. I love the subtlety. I love the grittiness. And I, I love the acting. I just think it's fantastic. And, yeah, rightly so, groundbreaking in, uh, in 70s cinema. Yeah. Well, this is the thing that you like... There's bits where characters talk over each other. Um, yeah, it's, it's proper miss- banter. It's proper banter. Mm. This is why, yeah, that's why I asked if, if, if it's improvised at all. You miss lines of dialogue, yeah. like you, um, the shot, like misframes people. Um, and sometimes it always seems sort of accidental, but yeah, it just sort of misframes people. And the- It's just got such an element of realism, I think. Yeah. It does. You just get sucked in. The only thing that actually breaks you out is Gene Hackman, I find. Is because if it had been Gene Hackman and someone else, if it had been some two other like random actors you'd never seen since, you would just think, well, for parts of it, you would just think you were watching a documentary, which is the whole, the style William Freakin went with to make the film mm. was documentary based now did they do that intentionally yeah or because they couldn't get a permit to film anywhere because i'm just looking down that list of trivia and yeah. it's all they didn't have a permit, permit. for here yeah. didn't have a permit for yeah. here this was all done without permission yeah, yeah. it's all yeah. guerrilla filmmaking well, including but, the fucking car chase but i mean even like the stuff where it's they didn't not have no no they didn't have permission for it oh, like people like people that was people real were driving on their way to work and got like like in the middle of them it says on that there, was really Gene Hackman's driving house, and they just carried on because it looked good. Yeah, he really did just spin off and smash up some guy's car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. It's fucked up. You were saying earlier about how they set up the traffic jam because they didn't have permits for the traffic jam. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, they couldn't get a traffic jam. Um, they didn't have enough money to get a traffic jam um, sequence. So what they did, they just like drove a couple of cars in front and got them all to pile back. And uh, two more. I think we should try that two one. Two more. Part. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's I don't want to get beaten. This, though. <laughs> this film couldn't have been shot in the style it has been shot in today. You couldn't. It's not post nine eleven high security. You can't get away with even going onto. A, I've tried. You know the amount of, the amount of car parks I've been kicked out of for filming in. Really? Yeah. Like anything in like private property or anything like in the sometimes in the streets, you just like people will come up to you and say, "Hey, right, what are you doing here?" It's like trying to actually do the whole guerrilla filmmaking in the streets, no permits is just so much more difficult these days. In those days, it's sort of like you'd assume anyone with a movie camera is important. Whereas no, now, not anymore. Not anymore no. But yeah, you do notice it as well. Certainly in some of the earlier scenes I picked up on it, where blatantly people in the background are looking at the camera. Yeah. Oh dear God, the stories we can tell you about filming in public, oh, near God. the public. Right. Okay. Well, what is it about people that when you're filming, that they decide that they want to beat their horn while they're driving by? I Every don't get single that time. One. I mean, Every single time. All, all I can figure is they're either, they either A, think that if they honk their horn, we will somehow include them in whatever it is we're filming, mm. or B, they're just being a bunch of cunts and <laughs> yeah. want to try and I'd fuck go stuff for B. up. I'd go for in B. In a kind of, I'm driving a van for a living and you're making films. I wish I was making films, mm. but I'm driving a van. I've just insulted every <laughs> van driver in the world. If you drive a van, I'm sorry. <laughs> if you drive a van and you honk your horn when you see film crews, you're a cunt. Yeah. <laughs> Has it ruined it? You not have to sorry. start again. You have to do the yeah. tech again. It's just, it just, it's, it's, just it's, it's the people that walk by on the street and just go, ah, at the camera. 
I'm on the telly. No, you're fucking not. <laughs> We've cut you You're not already. on the telly. When did you last see that report on the six o'clock news with a damn bunch of chav teenagers in the background? You never see it. It's never going to happen. Yeah. That's why we carry the CS gas, isn't it? Mm. Allegedly. And the cattle prods. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah. We don't we don't film the CS gas in our pockets. Do we? <laughs> no, no, or cattle prods. Not, not for in case anyone nicks the camera or anything like that. Yeah. Someone else talk, I'm going to prison soon. Okay. You can't count. William Friedkin, should we talk about the director for a second? Because he, the other things he's done, he is one of the people, sort of like Francis Ford Coppola, who hasn't made a decent film in years. And he made two of the big, like William Friedkin made The Exorcist and uh, The French Connection, which are two of the most influential pieces of cinema. And I think... It's almost as if he had his balls cut off because he went... Well, no, no, I'm serious. Because he was notorious for being one of the most outrageous directors in the, the way he approached things, like just like causing a traffic jam to film a traffic jam. In The Exorcist, there's a scene where um, the priest is being is shocked by the phone, going, uh, phone ringing. And the look of shock, the shock is amazing. And all William Freakin did was uh, had a blank fire in the room and fired off a blank just when he was supposed to, when the phone rang. And so he just jolts like, you know, because he didn't know it was coming. He didn't even know there was a, he was going to fire a blank. He just did it and just like, excellent. That's and, good. And got the real reaction. Um, at the end of The Exorcist, when the, the famous story where the priest is reading the guy the right, last rites, he used real priests in The Exorcist. He didn't, he didn't think actors could like, do the whole Get the, yeah, the whole yeah. godly Send thing um, and so yeah he used real priests and the priest like is doing the last rites he's like no this is your best mate you're in shock he's just tumbled down a flight of stairs don't do it like that and he's like well what do you fucking want from me I didn't say that he's a priest but he's like what do you want from me I'm an actor I'm a priest so what he did is just took his he said okay took him to one side he's like okay do you trust me and then belted him one around the face and said, now do the fucking last rites and so when he's shaking at the end and doing the last rites over this guy he's actually shaking because the adrenaline's <laughs> just rushed to his head that's amazing because he smacked him in the face we should smack around more actually but the thing is you can't smack that. around Orlando Bloom this is something oh. from, this is <laughs> kick something him all over the room Era, you can't do, you wouldn't be able to do that now only once I'd like to though only once we'd only need to once <laughs> right Orlando in this scene you have to look like you've just had the absolute living shit kicked out of you by me and eight of my friends go <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, don't hit me in the face fuck off I'll smash <laughs> It's a, it's a product of a bygone era, though. It's not something that you can do anymore, or that you hear about happening anymore. I mean, you hear horror stories of James Cameron like on on sets, but not even that's because actors cry too much now. You imagine what would happen if somebody slapped Justin Timberlake? <laughs> He'd be on the phone to his mother like that. All of that, Orlando Bloom. They're all the same. They're all the same little girls. But yeah, I, there's, I liked- no, there's no men in cinema anymore. There are no more Gene Hackmans or anything like that. They're still around. <laughs> yeah, because Gene Hackman's still around, but there's no one. There's no one to replace him. This is what I mean. There's nobody big and gritty and manly and rugged and just a wanker when he wants to be. Well, anymore. that's just an indicator. Yeah, sorry, Russell Crowe, like that, like Russell Crowe. There's no one else like that. You have your big buff action, the rock hero sort of thing, but there's no serious pissed off guy along the lines of Keith Sutherland in 24. Mm. Oh, Keith Sutherland in 24. There's one. There you go. 
But other than that, other than that, you know. So no. well, that's just indicative of twenty first century man. To be honest, so, I mean, we you know we manicure, we moisturize, we pedicure, we do our hair. And all, no, all this. no, I don't. I mean, we generically, as in I don't, you don't, and none of the people in this room don't. But all the rest of the- <laughs> <laughs> eh? I do. Well, yeah, you know, Alison does. But, you know, he's just like the well-groomed man of the 21st century. He spends half an hour getting ready before he goes on a night out or 50 minutes in a shower, you know. No, it's not grooming. Just... It's the attitude. It's it's the, the John Wayne Well, no, it goes of... hand in hand. It's like, you know, before you sling a T-shirt on and off, you go out the door because as you rough and tumble, you're ready, you, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. But no, now you've got to just be. Oh no, it's big well, fucking fashion rant, victims. One. It's all fashion. I saw, I saw an art, I saw an article. In, I saw an article in the Metro uh, the other day about men wearing makeup and whether girls like it or not. And generally, girls don't. If they did, I'd yeah. have pulled in that French Connection T-shirt a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you have eyeliner on as well? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered where it had gone. Yeah, you side of you, Richard Smith. God, I've worn some terrible clothes, you know. Mm. That French Connection t-shirt was the best of the terrible clothes as well. Yeah. Did you ever the- see those shiny black trousers? No, I just remember oh, I didn't the see that. that you actually, everyone bought you clothes. <laughs> yeah. Like, everyone bought you clothes. It was the second year or something in uni. That every, yeah. All your presents were clothes. I was like, what is this telling you? <laughs> that I need some better friends who get me DVDs instead of <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly enough. it right. so yeah what I was saying about William Freakin I was just like I'd like to think that he had that taken away from him rather than lose his edge over the years because yeah like I say with Francis Ford Coppola as well hasn't made a decent film since Apocalypse Now but this is the thing he didn't lose his edge over the years it just ended he, after The Exorcist but yeah. he went a bit Everything. mental after Apocalypse Now anyway didn't he there was a, a definite not being able to get over making that film mm. and he was kind of stuck in that jungle for a long long time in his head and I think that's kind of what happened to him but it'd be interesting to figure out or understand if there was something that William Friedkin had come up against that he, he just couldn't make that quality of film again mm. Coppola's has kind of got an excuse and yeah then, and then Sophia came along Sophie and continued the detritus well The Exorcist was a notoriously bad shoot as well I think that was after the French I think that was after the French connection I can't remember but he did that and then he did Cruising which is like really borderline homophobic film it's like right at the beginning of the sort of AIDS era. And it's sort of, I think it was the age. No, it might not have been actually. It was just, it was before, it was long before homosexuality is more widely accepted as it is now. And it was sort of, um, and it was just really pigeonholed portrayal, kind of like um, uh, ethnic people in the 60s cinema and stuff like that. And it's just like when, you know, back when you watch those old films and you think, bloody hell. As if they actually got away with that. So of course they got away with that. That was the time. So a pigeon. <laughs> but it's the a big magpie thing. Sorry. We've just been distracted by this big bird huge magpie sat right outside the window. Spot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a pygmy man high? Um no, Richard, it's not. Um, <laughs> Richard looks. Sorry, um, where were we? I completely lost the plot altogether. Well, what I hadn't. I was still You were talking was, about Williams. Films after yeah, this, yeah, it? and then he did Jade, which if anyone's seen that, why have I heard of that one it's recently? Awful, it's awful film. Well, it had McBean in it. We were talking about McBean earlier. Yeah. No, it came up in Forty Year Old Virgin. 
Yeah, yeah. Act like David Caruso in Jade. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Basically, act like a wanker. um, Because that's what he acts like. What a legend. What a legend. But yeah, that Jade was awful. And then there was a few others that he did, which were just like appalling. It's just like you hit the fucking. Those two films were just brilliant. And then everything after that's sort of been average to crap. Yeah, until I'm looking at this, I didn't realize just how bad Francis Ford Coppola's career was post apocalypse now. It is. As a director. It's no, it's and and his producer. It's just it's awful. Uh, the only things like is any good films he's produced recently have been his daughter's stuff. <clears throat> but like, <coughs> which, which ones? I don't know. I'm sorry, but the last film on on that list that he produced that I would tolerate sitting in front of is Sleepy Hollow, and that was 1999. Mm. No, that was good though. That was good. That was good. Mm. Uh, and before then, possibly the Virgin Suicides. Have- that was just disappointing because, good. like, that is good. Yeah, with with Coppola, he was a fucking legend. The Godfather one and two, Apocalypse Now. It was like we were talking about earlier, just shaping seventies mm. cinema in such a way. And then, like, these weren't directors; these were filmmakers. You know, these were auteurs. They would just they would do it all. They would just go nuts and like with their own vision. And now he's just a director for hire. He directs fucking John Grissom adaptions, for Christ's sake. You know, there's... Frankenstein. You know, oh. and it's that the difference between a director and a filmmaker. Mm. We don't get many filmmakers anymore. Like Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, that sort of, you know, you'd still put into that, into that pile. But they, yeah, he just sold out. It was just really disappointing. Well, maybe you just reach a point where you think maybe, like, yeah, maybe he, he got to the point where he'd done his job, yeah. sort of thing. He he'd done what he'd wanted to do, and then it's like, where do I go now? Retirement, yeah. No, now you make Jack with Robin Williams. Jack, that's Jack. fucking atrocity that he came out with. There's oh a brilliant source. The guy who did the um, the music track for that was is an absolute legend, though. Who was it? It's Brian. Oh God. Who? Brian. Do you know how I know you're gay? Like Brian Adams. There you go. <laughs> and yeah. that vest as well. Sorry. Um, Jack was terrible. Jack was The boy yeah, that Jack ages four years, four times faster than any normal boy, but nobody actually puts any research into why. They just go, oh, that's happening. And yeah, if that happened home. in real life, you'd be in a lab. That's yeah. all you'd be. You'd just be a lab rat, and there wouldn't be any two ways about it. I think so, probably. Mm. Oh dear! And Bill Cosby's in that as well. I'm not talking about Jack. It's no, appalling. It's, not go it's like a really bad big. It is it's a really <laughs> bad big. Only sad at the end as well because he dies. Yeah. Well, now, now you've become a catch attached to this character. We're just going to kill him in a really sad way for no reason. Brilliant. Like batteries not included. Here's some oh, sadness oh. just for the fucking sake of it. It's not relevant to the plot in the slightest. Just to make you stop feeling a little bit too happy, we're going to make this old woman mad and nearly die at the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't forget the baby Why one. You that, like, you know, oh, the, the baby mini robot. ship. Oh, yeah. they have to put the batteries in. And, oh, oh, that was horrible. Just why do you do that? They do that. They just put things in to make you feel bad. Like in the French Connection with the sniper, who gets shot first? 
The woman. The woman. The baby. And with, with the fucking <laughs> baby. baby. Could she have just been a woman walking down the street? No, let's give her a baby. Yeah, but that's what makes it mint. That was good. no holds barred. You know I mean? It was very good. Mm. And this was probably a very early time in which they did that. But to yeah. say, actually, he was a shit sniper. He killed like five people apart from the one person he was supposed to in that sequence. Yeah. Yeah. And he was hiding behind, like, the thinnest tree on the lot as well. Yeah. So, yeah, he was yeah. bound to be able to see him either side He's of the tree. hiding behind a flower. Hit that fucking tree every <laughs> shot as well. Since he was behind the, the tree, hit the tree and nothing but the tree. It's French snipers for you. I always notice that in films when people are shooting at things randomly and they put the squibs in things that there's no chance in hell that anyone could shoot that thing unless they were a professional marksman aiming at that thing. Hmm. Like banisters upstairs and stuff like that. You couldn't hit one if you were trying. But bang, 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 all the way up. Following the character. No fucking way. No. A then, wall, fair enough. A wall, fine. <laughs> I, I think it's a fairly large target. I, yeah. I can shoot a gun and hit a wall, I think, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've if been, you can't hit a wall, <laughs> some issues. I don't know. I've been, I've been told you can, if you're unexperienced enough, you could shoot at the ground and miss. Yeah. Was the actual phrase I was told. Yeah. You could shoot it. If you don't know what you're doing, if this is the first time you fight a gun, you could shoot at the floor and miss. The thing is, if you don't know what you're doing, if you, to that degree, why you put a gun in your hand? Mm-hmm. Who did that? For respect. <laughs> oh, is it? Respect. And for defence. Is it? Is it? Yeah. The best one for that is when you, like, you see um, the gangsters with the gun on the side the side action. and holding the side but you are actually rendering the ability to shoot a target completely null and void when you do that just yeah. to just to know anybody who doesn't know this and actually you carries a firearm up you, like that. Yeah, yeah the gun will go upwards successively every time you fire because you need to hold it straight on to get a decent grip it's just didn't tristan's dad show him that thing at one point if he was here he could talk yeah about no tristan's it. tristan's dad just saw it in one film and was just like what the fuck is he doing holding it sideways yeah. it's meant to be held straight on for christ's sake and on the plus side it means less people get shot because people are shooting at birds in the guy accidentally but still yeah. it's like no two hands hold it wait get your target fire is that no. why the only the really fat rappers get shot yeah maybe <laughs> 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 if, if you're a skinny rapper they're just they're, you're too difficult to hit then you've got to be the big fat rapper because you need it for defense because of course when you're a millionaire superstar everybody's just trying to kill you. Well, this is the thing. You didn't see Lee Harvey Oswald wandering out with a semi-automatic Glock holding it sideways and flying randomly into the crowd. No, he had a fucking sniper rifle and he took his yeah. shot. Yeah. Like any decent assassin. What the fuck's that about? It's like they actually don't want to kill people. It is. It's yeah. exactly like they don't yeah. want to kill people. And I think if you're going to try... Maybe actually people who hold their guns... Maybe that's a good idea. Maybe we should promote people to do that. Then less people would get killed. Yeah, yeah. Always everyone your fire your gun on the side. Yeah. You look cool, but you're not going to kill anyone. And only aim at skinny rappers. You don't. <laughs> it doesn't look cool. Don't shoot the fat buggers because they can't even run away. That's just not fair. Mm. Levels, rich levels. 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 Mm. What about where Gene Hackman keeps his gun? Why does he keep it in his sock? There's, yeah, it's never. Theories about that, isn't there? It's it's uh, cause someone says, "Oh, just don't keep your gun in your sock or whatever." Yeah. But it's never hit on, is it? Well, well, the, it's the ankle person, holster, isn't it? Yeah. One person says um, <clears throat> they say he does that because when he 
picks up a lady and he rubs against them. They, he don't want yeah, them yeah. to know he's a cop. Yeah. And then the other one thinks that it's because it's some kind of special technique of firing that he's got. I actually think that putting a gun as far away from your hand as possible is showing a reluctance to fire your gun. Rather than a quick draw technique. He exactly. never goes... And the, the first, Although he kills the first, that man in a flash, doesn't he? He does, but... The first, it's almost yeah. like he's put in a, a thought process, you know, by by giving him three seconds to get to his gun, mm. it's slowing him down so he's going to think about it. And that was one redeeming feature that I had about Popeye Dial, is that <laughs> if, he, if he's going to shoot someone, he's got to have the, the time it takes it's, to reach it to think about what he's doing. The answer isn't just because it's an ankle holster and he'd look a twat trying to wrap it round his waist. <laughs> Why do you keep your your ankle holster on your ankle? Well, I think you've answered your own question. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. Well, the, the it, first yeah. one as well is like, why you yeah, so that when you rub up against a woman, they don't know you're a cop? And it's like, surely you'd want them to know you're a cop. Isn't that something you get laid with, being no, a cop? No, no, anymore. no it's not really not. Not even back then? No. No. No, oh, right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to cuss. So, yeah, don't take your gun out anymore, Mike. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at and home stop now. Stop calling yourself officer. Yeah. <laughs> That's detective to you. Thank you. Um, also, private, private, private piles. Um, <laughs> the other, um, the other thing we were talking about earlier about this film is Gene Hackman's character descent, which well, he's already pretty descended. He's already right? descended pretty far. In fact, I'd say he's already gone the whole way, hasn't he? Really. Other than the narrative, what you're also watching is a further, just how far down he goes throughout the whole process but it's not it's not overdone it's not yeah. you know Mel Gibson trying to blow his head off and leave a weapon it's not you know it's the it is very subtle the way it's carried out and all the, the, the character development is so subtle almost unnoticeable and again with the whole problem with like the fact that the film is so subtle in places it becomes a little bit boring how is that a good thing though how is character development so subtle it's unnoticeable not unnoticeable anything? almost unnoticeable because if it's unnoticeable it's shit it, but if it's yeah. almost unnoticeable it means that you have to pay attention and you have to be intelligent to actually notice it in the first place right. and obviously character development like that you would if it was happening to you you'd hide it you wouldn't let everyone know that you're messed up until you rock bottom, you know what well, I mean? you wouldn't necessarily even know that you were that. Exactly, yeah. You, wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't even know necessarily. You so. don't generally. If, yeah, you, if yeah. you've gone down, the f it sometimes takes someone else to turn around and say, like, you know what, you've really fucked up at the moment. Yeah, I know yeah. it does with me. Yeah. I don't notice when I'm fucking up until someone tells me. <laughs> It's like there's... I've been meaning to tell you something, actually, Mike. Yeah, I was waiting for you to say it instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm so glad you did. About the squirrels, I keep them at bedroom, isn't it? That's a fuck up, Mike. That's a fuck up. It's not a fuck up. It's just fun. They don't make you happy. They don't make me happy. Anyway. They just steal your nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all the fudge they managed to pack in here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think uh, I'm pretty much done with this. Can I just slag off the audio before? Oh finish? yeah, the audio. Yeah. My biggest problem with starting to watch this film was that I couldn't hear it, and you're all probably having the same problem with me and this microphone as well. But I, I couldn't hear a lot of the dialogue because yeah, they do banter, they talk over each other. Um, but th those microphone levels were what, what was happening there. There was a particular scene at the beginning where they walk into a nightclub. He's persuaded Roy Scheider to come out and have a drink with him. 
in the bar. Right. Yeah, yeah. And they walk in there, and there's a, a trio of women on stage singing. Um, yeah, yeah. We're going to the moon, and to interject so that we could hear the conversation, the entire music track just dropped out, and instead, the most powerful microphones in the world were placed in front of. Gene and Rob. It, it, it did sound exactly like they held the microphone 30 feet away and just turned it up on Turned front. it all the way up. You could hear every little pop of his lips, just everything. I, I could hardly hear that entire scene because it was so noisy. I think that, that was probably ADR. I think that was probably additional uh, automatic dialogue replacement for after the film had been finished because you notice it with the scenes where you don't actually see them talking, but they're actually talking over what's going on. Those yeah, it looks the, out of sync sometimes, doesn't it? looks it, out of well? sync, and it also looks sometimes... It's, it's the clearest dialogue. Oh. And, like, all the stuff which has blatantly been recorded on set or on location, as it were, um, yeah, there's no sets. It's all real places, which also adds to the grit. But, like, all the... Yeah, all the actual on location stuff because it was such you know just jump in there shoot it once shoot it fast get out this is what know. I'm thinking that it's just far more guerrilla guerrilla filmmaking style than I originally thought yeah it is it's and just the more I think about it the clearer it was something that it's shot like a doc it's supposed to be shot like a documentary they tried yeah. to do everything once like with the takes you know you rehearse it and then get it the first and there is a there is a approved methodology behind that it's the whole well, that's it. the whole... first time you do it is the most natural I mean how many times have we done like <clears throat> seven or eight takes on a scene and then like look through the rushes again and looked in the scene ah shit the first take was the best take because it was the most natural yeah and, and there's, there is... there's that whole section as well where it's it's just like there's an audio track over the top of it there's like a lot there's a montage of them um, you know staking out you know, working out people, what the actual case the wires is on that, and they're just yeah, they're working out the case, but it's they are just reading over it. There's no mm. physical action in terms of the dialogue; it's just read over the top. Yeah, what's so the, therefore a bit more documentary sort of style. What's the French Connection two about? Um, the French Connection two is set in France. It's set it? in France, and he's does he go after him? Yeah, he goes after him in the French Connection two. That's entirely fictional. But it might make. Is that you the happy. ending of this film then? No, it's entirely it's fictional. The of this film, no, it's because film. so many idiots like you said there's no resolution. There's no resolution. There's no fucking resolution. There's no resolution. That's the point. That's the fucking point. It's true. So they made French Connection two, which is shit, by the way. It's nowhere near as good as this. Really? Yeah, and it's just no. complete. It's completely fictional. It's completely made up because Hollywood can't stand the bad guy getting away. But the. No, I can deal with the bad guy getting away. That's not my issue. If the bad guy wants to get away, fine. What I have the issue with is he didn't get away. We just stopped following the fucking story. But he got away! And then how did they know where he went? I don't know. If they, if they didn't find him. This is my point. It's true. Deal with it. <laughs> they should have filmed him escaping. <laughs> Oh, he God, could have God. he could have got in the back of a car Sorry. and driven off. He could have been chased to the airport and got on a plane and gone somewhere, or he could have died. But then they could have followed him. You're bordering in Wendy territory here. You don't need to it's, see it's everything. It's a grey area. I'm well aware that I'm pushing the boundaries of Wendyism a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, I just... I, I, it's not resolution. It's not. 
It's not about the story. It's about what you're showing as a filmmaker. And it just always hits me as why didn't you make the end of the fucking movie? It's just like because if it's also right. Okay, to back this up again, if it's shot like a documentary as well. I'm more feeling to it on this than I am in Lost in Translation. And the fact that you don't see the guy again, how, you know, you're never going to see him again because you don't know where he's gone. Mm. You can't film it. If it's in documentary style, it's real, it's happening. If he disappears, he disappears. Ain't shit you're going to do about that. Yeah, that's fair enough, but... I don't know. It's a film. Like they I could have made it up. Like I said downstairs, the only bit of story that I would have <clears throat> want resolving, if, you know, if you could, if wishes were fishes and all that lot, I would have wanted to know what happened to Popeye's character and how he felt about the guy getting away and what, were the, else what were the consequences afterwards that he fucked it up, basically. They got the result. They got this stuff back that they wanted to keep off the streets, right? That's part of the job that they did. But the guy's going. The guy getting away. How did that um, affect a a cop who's already fucking jaded because he's managed to get another cop killed previously? um, We've kind of spoiled this a little. Why? No, that's just me being It's a classic. I think it's a classic film. And you should see it. And it is very integral in, as we were saying outside, in just the history of cinema. Mm. And without this film, there are so many countless things that would never have come about without it. Yeah. Television and movie alike. Mm. And so for that reason alone, it's well worth watching. And acting and the story and the way it's shot and all of that sort of thing makes it well worth watching. To understand truly how good this film is to cinema, you have to watch something that was made before it you watch a cop drama before you know Dirty Harry and French Connection at about the same time before those two films yeah Yeah. see what yeah good well I think that's us isn't it really that's us Um, big thank you to GMAC for going and subscribing to give us a little donation every month thank you very much thank Thank you you very much thank you GMAC I'm still waiting for Apple to release the GMAC (laughs) I will be so happy the day that comes out. <laughs> G Mac Nano. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Shall we, Charles, switch it off then? Yeah. Bye, everybody. Good night. Goodbye. Goodbye.